Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP, 106.5 FM, Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 141. Today's topic is Green New Jobs. So the idea is that under the Green New Deal, there will be a great many jobs created and even whole new industries created. This is important because the opponents of the Green New Deal only want to talk about the cost. They don't want to talk about the cost of our current system, only the cost of a system that they oppose because they and the people who sign their paychecks stand to maybe possibly lose something. Or maybe it's just the fear of losing something, but there are plenty of opponents of the Green New Deal, mainly those that work for the 1%, are the 1% or work for the 1%. So are we going to organize our society around the needs and interests of the 99% or the 1%? Those are our choices, and we'll be talking about that today, especially with respect to Green New Jobs. So we'll be talking about green new jobs in just a few minutes, but first, here's what the climate report is all about. So we've got a big situation, a big problem to solve with respect to climate change, and it's not the only problem we have to solve, but climate change is one of a family of problems that go together. You may have heard the phrase, trouble comes in threes. So climate change is a problem to be solved, that is a threat to our very existence. Now, there are powerful players in our society that want to convince us of false threats. They play on our fears. They want to make us fear socialists. They want to make us fear terrorists. They want to make us fear narco-traffickers. They want to make us fear people of a different race. They want to make us fear Muslims and Arabs. They want to make us fear people of a different gender orientation. But what they don't want to do is tell us about the very real threats to our existence. That includes climate change. That includes nuclear weapons. That includes the dramatic loss of biodiversity. That includes diminishing supplies of fresh water. And that includes a completely dysfunctional food system that is destroying the very food supply and the very, or rather, that's destroying the soil, it's destroying the water supply, and it is even destroying the pollinators. But they don't want us to know about these things, because if we knew about these things, that would cut into their profits. And profits, as we know, are the purpose of society. The purpose of society is to make profits for a very few, The purpose of society is to enrich the bank accounts of the 1%. And the purpose of government is to make all that happen very smoothly. But we want to be a voice of reason and a voice of sanity. We want to be someone who tells you about things that you don't ordinarily hear, especially in the mainstream media. And we want to empower the people. We want to empower the 99%. We want to be an agent, a force, that finally helps to organize society around the needs and interests of the vast majority, not the needs and interests of the pathetic few. And that's what the Climate Report is all about. 
This program is part of WFMP's Public Affairs Educational Programming. The views expressed are those of the speaker and not the station. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. And if you enjoy this content, I invite you to go to theclimatereport.net to find more episodes, playlists, videos, and also my blog. So I expect this will be a three-episode series. Let me give you a preview of where we're going with this. So the title is Green New Jobs. And did you know that when we fully implement the Green New Deal, not if, but when, when we fully implement the Green New Deal, we will be creating a great many more jobs than would be created if we were to continue to invest in our tired old industries such as oil and gas and the auto industry. So I'm looking at some stats on an infographic called The Truth About Job Creation, and it says if you invest $1 million in the following industries, you will get this many jobs. Natural gas, five jobs. Coal, seven jobs. Smart grid, 12 jobs. That's the energy grid, electricity grid that we need to accommodate wind and solar power. If we invest in wind, a million dollars in wind, we get 13 jobs. If we invest a million dollars in solar, we get 14 jobs. If we invest a million dollars in biomass, we get 16 jobs. If we invest a million dollars in building retrofits, that means you know, better insulation and better thermostat controls, etc. A million dollars invested in building retrofits will get 17 jobs. And a million dollars invested in mass transit, freight, and rail will get 22 jobs. So a million dollars invested in mass transit, freight, and rail will get 22 jobs. And the reason for this is very simple. When you think of tired old industries such as fast food or oil and gas or automobiles uh, manufacturing, they've got that down to a system. They've got that down to a science. They don't need very much creativity. At least in the local area, they don't need that much creativity. Industry, industries create new jobs when you're moving into new territory and you need a lot of creativity. You need professional services. You need lawyers and accountants and advertising and graphic design. You need urban planning. And you need people that are good at managing. You need entrepreneurs. You don't just need the same old, same old. And that's where we're going with this. And we will give many, 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 many examples of the new jobs and new industries that will be created. So we've got this Green New Deal, and the Green New Deal has been around for about 10 or 11 years. However, it only became a household word, especially in the political arena. It only became a household word a couple of months ago. So this idea has been incubating and incubating and incubating. And then some young people come along and make it a household word. Young people, I'm talking about Justice Democrats. I'm talking about the Sunrise Movement. I'm talking about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Come along and make it an issue and therefore make it a household word. And even conservatives are talking about it because they cannot ignore it. Now, if you want to know the substance of the Green New Deal, 
email info at theclimatereport.net and I will give you some links to that. If you want to Google, go to the Green Party and the long version of the Green New Deal is the Green Party platform and the short version of the Green New Deal is called the Green New Deal of the Green Party and it's about a 15 page set of proposals. So I think those two documents, the Green Party platform and the Green Party version of the Green New Deal, are the best way, best way to read one document and understand what the Green New Deal is. Also, there is a version in Congress, and you can get the full text of that. That's the one that AOC proposed with about 60 co-sponsors in Congress, and that's the one that Mitch McConnell orchestrated a vote in the Senate, which was 57 to 0 against it. There's also a bill that has been introduced in Congress by Tulsi Gabbard, which is called the Off Fossil Fuels Act, or the Off Fossil Fuels for a Better Future Act. There's also a good Green New Deal on a website called dataforprogress.org, dataforprogress.org. So these are places that you go to if you want to get into the specifics of it, which is a good idea. Because for one thing, people who oppose the Green New Deal are going to use the S word, socialism. Never mind that the American system includes very popular socialist programs like Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. These are very popular socialist programs. The post office is a popular social program. Public schools are a popular social program. They have their opponents and they have their naysayers. They are underfunded. They don't work as well as they could or as well as they should if they were properly funded, but they are popular socialist programs. Who can say that Medicare is un-American? Who can say that Social Security or public schools or public libraries are un-American? And yet the opponents of an appropriately socialist society are going to use the socialist word because they've got a hundred years of cold water propaganda to build on. So big business has always been opposed to socialism because it cuts into their profits. The 1% has always been opposed to socialism because they've never had to struggle. They've never been without health care. They don't know what it's like to not know how to pay your rent. And they've gone to institutions, including schools and including the media. They get a lot of their information from institutions that carry on active, proactive propaganda campaigns that are designed to advance and reinforce a certain set of ideas about how our economy works and where prosperity comes from and what we need for a healthy, prosperous society. But let's get some focus here. Let's focus. Okay, can we focus? Let's ask some really good questions. Let me ask you a question. What color is the squirt gun? What color is the squirt gun? Now that's random, but when you thought of a squirt gun, your squirt gun had a color. Maybe it was red, maybe it was yellow, maybe it was blue. But the question that I asked forced you to come up with an answer. The squirt gun has a color. 
This is how we avoid a great deal of ridiculousness that we get on cable news. They're talking disrespectfully to each other. They're talking past each other. They're insulting their audience. They're insulting the people on the other side of the aisle. And they pretend to have all the answers. But who among them are asking the right questions to begin with? So here are some good questions to answer. So we'll be getting into the topic of green new jobs. But I want to convince you that a complete transformation in society is, is possible and desirable. Climate change requires that we have a complete transfer, transformation of our society. The other things that threaten us, nuclear war, loss of biodiversity, loss of water, a dysfunctional food system, these things require a complete transformation of society so I want us to prepare our minds for a complete transformation of society. I want us to entertain the mere possibility that we can create a society that is radically different from the one that we have. And it will be positive and healthy in every way. Because we're going to have to overcome fear of the unknown in ourselves and others. So let's ask some good questions to prepare our minds for a completely different society, a whole new world. So here's question number one. What should our goals be as a society? Uh, what should the goals of our government be? What is the purpose of government? I think you would agree with me that the purpose of government should be to respond to the needs, interests, and concerns of the vast majority. And the purpose of government should not be to enrich those who are already rich. The purpose of government should not be to attend quite dutifully to the needs, interests, and concerns of the 1% at the expense of everyone else. So when the government spends a trillion dollars a year on defense, are they doing that for the 99% or the 1%? When they subsidize the oil industry, are they doing that for the 99% or the 1%? When they promote fracking, hydraulic fracturing, when they promote fracking through subsidies, are they doing that for the 99% or the 1%? When they promote agribusiness, not small farms, but agribusiness, are they doing that for the 99% or the 1%? If they're doing all, this thing, all these things for the 1%, why? Why are they doing that? I submit to you that the Green New Deal addresses the needs, interests, and concerns of the 99%. And I also submit to you that the role of the 1% I'm going to rephrase that. The role of what I call the defenders of business as usual. There are people out there who, whose role is to defend business as usual. Their role is to stop good ideas from going forward. But let's ask another good question. Question number two, what needs to be done? In our world today, in the year 2019, 31 years after James Hansen testified before Congress that global warming is a threat and global warming is caused by humans, 
31 years after that what needs to be done. Let's talk about the loss of biodiversity. In the last 40 years, we've lost 75% of our insects. Not 75% of the species, but 75% by weight, by mass. We've lost 75% of our insects in the last 40 years. We cannot live without insects. If we could live without insects, it would be a very ugly world, a very dirty world, a very boring world, a very expensive world to live in. So we've lost 75% of our insects in the last 40 years. What needs to be done? Hey, I know, let's continue to spend a trillion dollars a year on the Pentagon, the most unaccountable, wasteful, out-of-control branch of government. Let's continue to spend a trillion dollars a year so we can have the best bombs and the best fighter planes and the best drones. Let's continue to do that. How about that? I think you'll agree with me that that is exactly not what needs to be done, especially since it takes a huge amount of carbon to keep the military going. No disrespect to the people who have served in the military, but as an enterprise, it is exactly what we do not need. We need a government that is willing to address real threats, not fake threats, not phony threats, not false threats. We need a government that is willing to address real threats and not spend a trillion dollars a year hunting down the boogeyman. Question number three, how can we spend money better than we are now? So if we want to know how can we spend money better than we are now, we need to ask some other questions like how are we currently spending money? Well, we spend a lot of money on the military. We spend a lot of money subsidizing fossil fuels. We spend a lot of money bailing out banks and subsidizing banks. We spend a lot of money subsidizing agribusiness. And it's a type of agribusiness that is absolutely at war with life on the planet because it's absolutely at war with biodiversity. The agribusiness such as it is now is absolutely at war with our clean water. The agribusiness that we have now is absolutely at war with organic farming, which is more productive, produces food that is more nutritious in a way that is more ecologically healthy and friendly. So why are we subsidizing agribusiness? Another question, what should we spend money on instead of what we are spending money on now? How can we spend money to develop new industries that are positive and healthy and life-affirming? How can we spend money so as to develop skills that we need instead of skills that we don't need? Another question, society is laboring under what myths and misconceptions? Society is laboring under what myths and misconceptions? Well, we have myths and misconceptions about how we should be spending money. We have myths and misconceptions about what is actually threatening us. Believe me when I say that it is not only the news media that spends a lot of time and energy stirring up fear of false threats. It is also, for example, the movie industry. 
If you want to know how the movie industry is completely in bed with the Pentagon, email info at theclimatereport.net. I'll send you a 10-minute video that graphically illustrates how the Pentagon promotes pro-war movies and anti-war movies are at a serious disadvantage. It's a very eye-opening little 10-minute video. And that goes to the question of what is threatening us. If you have a rational, objective person and they're talking about the question, what is really threatening us, a rational, objective person knows that climate change is a much greater threat than anything the Pentagon is doing. Rational and objective people with a knowledge of the facts know that nobody in the Middle East is a threat to us, and yet we have a huge presence in the Middle East. Rational and objective people with a knowledge of the facts know that there's nobody in Latin America that poses a threat to us, and yet we have a huge military presence in South America and Latin America, Central America. We train death squads. We give aid, quote-unquote aid, to the government of Honduras, which is the most lawless government in this hemisphere. I don't know if it's the most lawless, but I know that 95% of crimes go unsolved. And it's all because of a government that we are propping up. Of this you can be sure. The United States is on the wrong side of justice in Latin America. The governments that we support are basically thugs. I'm talking about Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Colombia. The governments we support are the ones that kill dissidents in the streets. And why is this going on? Partly because we have a false idea of what is actually threatening us. And because there are a lot of people in the 1% making a lot of money through things like armed robbery, murder, torture, genocide, and this is systemic in Latin America. So to the extent that there are big multinational businesses making money in Latin America, they are being supported by a Pentagon and by a State Department that supports governments that practice torture, that have no free press, that murder political dissidents, because that's how you make a business-friendly environment. So the question we're dealing with now is society is laboring under what myths and misconceptions? Number one, how to, uh, how to spend money. Number two, what is threatening us. Number three, how jobs are created. Society is laboring under the misconception that jobs are created by private enterprise. That is at best half true. The most dynamic industries in our society are the ones that are developing technologies that were first created by the government. If the government had not invested in computer technology for 35 years before Steve Jobs came along, you would never have heard his name. It is common practice and deeply systemic that the government spends money on defense and on NASA and on the National Institutes of Health. And then when technology is developed, it is then handed over industry to make profits. In other words, tax dollars go to make profits for the 1%. This is 
one of those things that's hidden in plain sight. It's something that most people don't know about because the news media doesn't talk about it. The news media doesn't talk about it because the 1% is paying their bills. But if we understood, we've got this upward redistribution of wealth. If we understood that, then we would say, hey, let's take control of how we develop technology. Instead of developing technology by making people afraid of Arabs and Muslims and Mexicans, let's develop technology in a way that is proactive and life-affirming. Let's develop solar technology. Let's develop wind technology. Let's develop a state-of-the-art energy grid. Let's develop state-of-the-art batteries to store the electric energy that is generated by solar and wind. Let's develop the technologies that are needed for mass transit and for rail. If we do that, we will be addressing the issues that we need to address, and we will be creating a whole lot more jobs than we create when we subsidize the old, tired industries that are, by the way, at war with life on our planet. And the last myth or misconception is that we misunderstand really where economic growth comes from. Yes, a some amount of economic growth comes from a free enterprise system. But guess what? We don't have a free enterprise system. We have a monopoly enterprise system. We have a winner-take-all, monopoly-based enterprise system. Two-thirds of our economy is controlled by Fortune 500 companies. These companies are big enough to buy out the competition. They're big enough to lobby for policies that are favorable to themselves. Some of the drugs we pay for, or our insurance pays for, is twice to ten times the price that people have to pay in other countries. So we don't have a free enterprise system. We have a monopoly enterprise system where the winner takes all, and then the winner rigs the system so as to close out newcomers. So I've got about a couple of minutes left. I want to leave you with a preview of the next episode. I've said before that we have the opportunity to create a whole new world. And I've been accused of being an idealist, but the opposite of idealism is cynicism, and cynicism is not a virtue. Cynicism means you're lazy. Cynicism means you believe that the system we have is the best of all possible worlds. Idealism, on the other hand, is ambitious. But sometimes idealism is not only ambitious, it's very practical. If idealism says that we should not spend a trillion dollars a year learning how to kill other people, then count me in. I'm an idealist. How about let's instead spend a trillion dollars a year developing some of the following life-affirming jobs and industries? Let's have the government fund the development of solar engineers, of solar technicians, of marketers in the solar realm who can answer questions like, what homeowners are good candidates for solar panels? Who can save money on solar? Who would rather own their power supply rather than having to rent their power? How about we have a government spend money on battery power research and development? 
or wind power or mass transit or a state-of-the-art electric grid? How about we have the government spend money developing organic farming instead of subsidizing agribusiness? How about we have the government spend money on how can we care for the forests that we have and grow more forests because we certainly need forests. We need forests as habitat for bees, butterflies, birds, and small mammals. We need forests to address the problem of of the urban heat island effect. We need people who know how to get in there and remove invasive species and plant native species in our forests. So next time we're going to talk about a whole lot more of these industries and jobs that need to be developed. Yes, with government funds. Because the free market is not going to take care of us. The free market is a fraud. Thanks for joining me. Come back next time.